One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Friday, April 22nd, 2022, the 457th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. I want to begin today, once again, talking about the great American patriot, Mike Lindell and his great company, MyPillow. They have all sorts of products to make your home and your life more comfortable for you to sleep better. Go to MyPillow.com, use the promo code REASONABLE, and you can get massive discounts on pretty much everything in the store. You will also, if you order, get a free gift from Mike Lindell himself, his memoir or autobiography. You can use either one. Call it an autobiography if you're not comfortable with the French. Go to MyPillow.com, get some Giza dream sheets, get some slippers, Get some towels, get some pillows, grab yourself a mattress pad. You'll be more comfortable. That's it. And Mike Lindell is, in fact, a great American patriot. He's got a great American company and you'll support this show. You'll support him. You'll support MyPillow.com. Promo code reasonable. Now, I always like talking about Mike Lindell at the beginning with the commercial. If I'm going to lead off the show talking about Mike Lindell and it turns out I am going to do that. So I mentioned yesterday that Carrie Lake, 
the candidate for governor in Arizona, said she was bringing a lawsuit seeking an emergency injunction against the voting machines in Arizona. And I said she would have the evidence that Mike Lindell has compiled and vetted and analyzed over the last 15 months. He's got a team of experts and technical cyber people all around him. They have been going through all of this evidence. This evidence has been shared with cyber experts from around the country. They have analyzed it. And now it is at the point where it will be submitted as part of this court case. I was hoping to get my hands on that Wednesday night. I was hoping to get my hands on that Thursday night. But I'm just going to go ahead and be patient until it comes out because it is coming out. Here's Lindell yesterday. They interview the lawyers, what the I don't know, take apart the case on air here. Sure. Um, I could maybe get in in between in Michigan, in between speeches and come on. But this uh, this is going to be very it's going to surprise you too. who the plaintiffs are, who the defendants are and who the attorneys are. Let's do it. And, uh, and it's going to be uh, this is going to be this is the game changer. So that was from yesterday in the evening. Lindell says the case is coming out today. Hopefully on Frank's speech TV tonight, they will be able to go through the case as he was just mentioning. That was Brandon house. He was talking to who co-hosts his show when they do it in the evenings. And I guess we're going to have more surprises about plaintiffs. It might be more than just Carrie Lake. And so I'm very much looking forward to seeing what this case is all about. And I really want to see how the evidence is presented because anything that gets these machines out of our elections is something we all should be tuned into. A lot of people, man, a lot of people, I don't understand it. They're out there saying that all we need to do is focus on electing Republicans in 2022. That could not be more wrong. That is exactly how we get a whole new slate of rhinos into office and give them the ability to thwart the America first agenda for another two years. Nothing could be worse than that. We cannot pretend that somehow just making the House and Senate red by name is going to fix the problem of election theft. The way to fix the 2020 election is to bring out all the evidence of fraud and cheating from the 2020 election and then do what's necessary to make sure we don't have another stolen election. There is no way to guarantee a safe and secure election with voting machines, period. We know they're fraudulent. The Democrats know they're fraudulent. The voting machine companies know they're fraudulent. They have always been fraudulent. That's what they're for. We don't need machines to add one plus one plus one plus one plus one. We certainly don't need them to figure out what's on a ballot. And we certainly don't need them to find out whether or not a signature matches the signature on file. But nonetheless, we have machines doing all of these things. At great expense to the taxpayers. These machines are very expensive. There's no discount on them. It is just a huge money suck. The way to have free 
and fair and honest elections is to have one day of voting in person on paper ballots that can be tracked and verified with voter ID and signature matching and the whole thing. And yes, fine. There can be an absentee option for military members serving overseas, for people who apply for absentee with certain restrictions and for people who are confined to their homes because of their medical condition. All of that stuff can be handled. We don't need to pretend that everyone in the country needs the options that maybe a half a percent of the country actually needs. Leaving the machines in place opens up an opportunity for fraud. We know what it is. The same thing with the mail-in ballots. We don't need them. They are used to commit fraud. The only priority should be election integrity. One person, one vote. The person has to be a real, legal American citizen. And they have to be verified. Mail-in balloting, voting machines make those things impossible on purpose. They make election law far more complex. They necessitate the creation of all sorts of loopholes. They are absolutely only for cheating. There is no use. There is no need for them. We need to go back to having local voting precincts, not these massive voting centers. And the people at those precincts can count the votes under supervision. That's how it's supposed to work. All parties know that the machines are susceptible to fraud and manipulation. It was never in doubt, including by the Democrats, up until this past election cycle. It is shocking to me that people are not on top of this and that they're not taking the machine issue seriously. This is not about looking ahead to the 2022 midterms and then thinking we're just going to fix everything between 2022 and 2024. Getting more rhinos in office, people who are going to serve the global communist agenda is the best way to make sure that our elections will never be fixed. Pretending that our elections are fixed is the worst possible outcome. And that's exactly what we got last fall in Virginia. I am glad that Glenn Youngkin defeated, in quotes, Terry McAuliffe. But he actually defeated Terry McAuliffe by a lot more than the margin we were shown because there was fraud in that election and there was fraud in New Jersey. Phil Murphy got, quote unquote, reelected well after the election ended because the challenges were stopped. But that election was fraudulent, too. And these problems absolutely can get fixed by the midterms in November. Now, let's discuss a couple instances. There have been two major ones in the last two days. The first is the Donald Trump Piers Morgan interview. And the second is the leaked audio of Kevin McCarthy. So let's take those in order and let's start with Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan interviewed Donald Trump a couple days ago. His producers, maybe with his input, maybe not, cut together a promo for the Donald Trump interview, and the promo itself is quite misleading. Here it is. Okay, Piers, I'm ready. A former president in denial. I'll be completely straight with you to your face. I think I'm a very honest man, much more honest than you, actually. Really? Yeah. It was a free and fair election. You lost. 
Only a fool would think you that. You think I'm a fool? I do now, yeah. With respect. Excuse me. Okay, with respect. The legislature. the hard evidence. Excuse me. The most explosive interview of the year. I don't think you're real. This I really just, I'm not like Very dishonest. Let's finish up the interview. Morgan versus Trump. Turn the camera off. Very dishonest. So the way they frame this is that Piers Morgan is calling out Donald Trump to his face. Piers Morgan is the one who will ask all the hard questions. He'll say, Mr. Trump, don't you know you lost? The election was free and fair. And then Trump just goes on an unhinged rant about how you must be crazy to believe the election was free and fair. And then he gets mad at Piers Morgan and he gets up and ends the interview and storms off. And immediately the Internet was set abuzz with this new Donald Trump drama. So I saw this promo and I was like, "Okay, well, yeah, that's obviously deceptively edited. I have full confidence in Trump's ability to be able to handle the election fraud discussion. And I immediately said on Telegram and to myself, mostly to myself, I just repeated it inside my head over and over and over again and then finally shared it with Telegram. I said, this is a great way to make normies and child brains watch Donald Trump talk about election fraud. And Donald Trump talks about election fraud in very simple terms. He knows the truth about election fraud. He knows the examples he can point to. He knows he can point to these examples accurately. There is overwhelming evidence to support all of his claims. And we discussed this the other day. There is absolutely no evidence that Joe Biden actually got 81 million real legal American votes. And that's why we're not allowed to look at the evidence. It's also why no one ever refers to that evidence. They say, Sissa said it's the most safe and secure election of all time. Bill Barr said he hadn't yet seen enough evidence to suggest that widespread voter fraud could have changed the outcome of the election. The communists will always say the courts decided against Donald Trump which is true in some cases, but mostly they threw his cases out for process issues like latches or standing, etc. And beyond that, it's just the TV told them Joe Biden won. And then if you lay out all of these facts, you will be told that it is too dangerous to talk about this stuff because this is the big lie. And if too many people talk about the big lie, then we get a very violent insurrection. So realistically, in the last 15 months, there's no central narrative addicted child brain out there who has actually heard the case for election fraud. Their media does everything possible to prevent them from ever knowing about election fraud. Now, I find this embarrassing on the behalf of the child brains because they haven't thought their way out of this conundrum yet. But I also find it deeply cruel by the media and by the establishment, by the global communists, by the Democrat communists, by the social media companies. All of these people have denied reality for this entire time. They are making it so all of the people still addicted to the central narrative are dead wrong and absolutely clueless and ignorant about one of the most important issues in probably world political history. What could be more significant than a coup removing a duly elected president in the United States? 
And that's what we have. The coup began as soon as Donald Trump walked down the escalator. They spied on him while he was in the White House. There is proof of this. It doesn't matter whether or not the communists know it yet. The public acknowledgement of our mainstream culture of a fact or a certain set of facts is not what makes the claim true or false. There is a reality underneath all of this. And in that reality, there's no way in the world that Joe Biden got 81 million real legal American votes. So if you are Piers Morgan or one of Piers Morgan's producers, then producing that promo, cutting things together that way is going to get more eyes on the interview. And I am more than happy for them to do that however they deem necessary. Now, did Piers Morgan coordinate with the Donald Trump campaign, let's say, with Donald Trump's team more accurately? I don't know. I wouldn't suggest that. The reason I wouldn't suggest it is because Donald Trump's team promptly released the audio that they recorded of that interview. And then Trump put out some pretty harsh statements about Piers Morgan and his honesty and integrity. And unless there's something else going on, it seems like he's exactly right. The way they cut the promo seemed to make it pretty obvious that the goal was to make Donald Trump look like a liar. In addition, of course, to convincing people to watch the interview. And so the audio has come out proving that Donald Trump was actually very courteous to Piers Morgan. He did not get up and walk out of the interview. He did not storm off. He didn't cut the interview short. The Trump camp is saying that the interview was slated to last 20 minutes. Instead, they did over an hour. You can hear Piers Morgan saying, this is my final question, and then he'll continue asking more questions. The Trump camp was trying to get the interview to wrap up because they had already gone well over the allotted time. But Donald Trump was totally cordial the entire time, didn't get upset, handled everything really smoothly. And I'm going to play some of that audio to prove that what is in that promo was taken completely out of context. But then I also want to remark on some of the actual audio that we're going to hear. You said to me once that if you talk the talk, and you're a great talker, I've seen that today, if you talk the talk, you have to walk the walk. In the context of your claim about the fraudulent election, it's been 14 months, and we've not seen this hard evidence of the fraud that you say happened. The press will report it. The press, you have a business like a communist country. You know, in Russia, they don't even know there's a war going on in Ukraine. That's how we are with the election. In Russia, they do not know. People in Russia don't know that they're fighting Ukraine. And if they do know, they get it the opposite angle. This is what we have with our election. The election was rigged and was stolen. We have all the proof you need. The press is the right. It's all over the place. We have no Okay? They just found massive ballot harvesting. Millions of votes. Millions and millions of votes. It's produced. It's, it's going to be produced and has been produced. And the governor of Georgia didn't want to use it because he turned out to be not a man that cared about it. After you don't watch this whole debate, right? you've been completely unflagging in your refusal to accept the fit. And you know why, though? You know why? Because if our country doesn't have fair and free elections, 
elections. And if our country doesn't have borders, mm. we don't have a country. Okay. We have crooked, corrupt elections. Here's what I'm saying. And I've proven it. Here's what I'm saying. I believe it was a free and fair election and that you lost. You that, uh, that's my belief. Uh, well, then you're uh, a fool. However, then you're a fool. maybe I am a fool. Maybe I'm a fool in, in this conversation. And you're a fool and you haven't studied. Okay, I have studied it. So Piers Morgan believes that the election was very free and very fair. And Donald Trump calls him a fool. You're a fool if you believe that. And he says, or you haven't studied it. And Piers Morgan says, of course, oh, I have studied it. Well, no, you haven't. Okay. Reading the same points over and over and over and over and over again as the media reprints them for 15 months is not actually studying something. And Piers Morgan, of course, would have absolutely no hope of making the argument that somehow Joe Biden did get 81 million real legal American votes. That argument cannot be made because that argument is not true. There is no well of support one can draw from to claim that the election was free and fair and Joe Biden got all those votes. Joe Biden didn't win. Joe Biden couldn't have possibly won. And it actually goes well beyond that because the way that Joe Biden was recorded as having won defies all mathematical possibility as well. And all of that evidence is everywhere if you choose to look for it. If Piers Morgan had studied the issue as he claims to, then he would agree with me and everyone else who has actually studied the issue. There is no one who has studied the issue who thinks that Joe Biden won. There is no factual support for that whatsoever. But the point I want to focus on here in this clip and in the next one is that Piers Morgan is relying on the mainstream media narrative as if that is the full accumulation of human knowledge. Why hasn't the evidence been produced is what he's saying. And of course, Trump responds, it has been produced. The media won't cover it. Piers Morgan should know that or else he's bad at his job. Every other mainstream media figure should know that as well. It's not hidden information. They're just simply not doing their job because they are incentivized not to do their job. Maybe they just hate Donald Trump, and that's fine if they feel that way. It doesn't make them right. But this clip tells that story in even starker relief. There is another twist in this thing where I think they're on much stronger ground and where I would agree with you. And that is the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop scandal, which is what it's become. And it could lead right to the top of Joe Biden. We don't know yet. But it seems to me that the way the mainstream media and the tech giants conspired to suppress that story, literally removing it from social media platforms, not reporting it, not chasing it, 50 senior people coming out saying this was Russian disinformation, all complete nonsense. There is a belief that that could have swung the election your way. In other words, when you talk about having a stolen election, actually you're on better ground, it seems to me, with the Hunter Biden story. They say it made a 17 point difference. But you know what? He says this could lead all the way to the top to Joe Biden. We don't know yet. Again, Piers Morgan is showing his total lack of journalistic integrity by making that statement. Piers Morgan did not study election fraud. Piers Morgan did not study the Hunter Biden laptop. 
we don't know yet? We absolutely know. We knew before the 2020 election. Tony Bobolinsky went on Tucker Carlson's show and said to the nation that Joe Biden was the big guy, that Joe Biden was read into these deals, that Tony Bobolinsky himself met with Joe and Hunter Biden to discuss this very business. But once again, Piers Morgan is pretending that the accumulation of human knowledge is all available from the mainstream media as part of the central narrative. The central narrative doesn't know yet whether or not Joe Biden was involved with his son's business. That's what they claim. This is just unknown knowledge. But that is a lie. And everyone who says it is a liar. And they know they're lying. This story has been out there in public for a year and a half now. And there is nothing in this storyline that has developed in any way to support the notion that Joe Biden was not involved and was not receiving a payoff. Again, I've said this a bunch of times. What Hunter and Joe were selling was Joe's access, Joe's political power. That's what the deal is. People weren't hiring Hunter for his expertise. It's insane to even suggest that. But Piers Morgan is assuming his audience's cluelessness. And the idea that we are just finding these things out right now does in fact support the central narrative and it supports the purveyors of the central narrative. And of course, that means it supports the global communist agenda. Piers Morgan is trying to take the focus away from actual hard evidence of very, very real, widespread, game-changing election fraud. He doesn't want anyone to look at that. Now, the new narrative is that, yes, Joe Biden was, in fact, compromised. We're going to get there. Hunter's going to get indicted soon. And then Joe will be moved out of his position as fake president. And at that point, once again, like what happened after Virginia with Glenn Youngkin, we'll pretend that that is a big win for our side and think, oh, OK, well, now we don't have anything to worry about doesn't matter what happened in the 2020 election. Joe Biden's not fake president anymore. So I guess we win. Well, no, that's not a win at all. The primary election interference was not the 50 former intelligence officials claiming that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. Yes, that was election interference. Yes, polling shows that the hiding of that story, that alone did change the outcome of the election. If voters for Joe Biden are to be believed when 16% of them, Donald Trump says 17%, who knows why? I think it's 16%. There's probably no reason for him to say 17. But 16%, a full one in six Biden voters would have voted for Trump if they knew about the Hunter Biden laptop story, according to polling. So that alone was in some sense, able to give Joe Biden his quote unquote win, if we are to believe any of the voting numbers, but they are all false. Joe Biden would have had even fewer votes than he did if the Hunter Biden laptop story was public. But in an environment where you don't actually care about the number of votes because you're going to change it to what you want regardless, the reason 
they suppressed that story was so that they could still have the narrative that Joe Biden could win. If that big scandalous story about Joe Biden's despicable son and all of the Biden family corruption, if that story came out, it would have been that much harder for the media to sell the American public on the idea that Joe Biden even could have possibly won. And they had to cling to that idea, despite Joe Biden not being allowed to leave his basement, not attracting any Americans to any public event he did. Despite all of that, the media still made their best effort to convince Americans that it was possible that Joe Biden could win. So saying that this was the primary election interference, that might please people who know what's actually on the Hunter Biden laptop. And it might please people who are upset that the media has denied any malfeasance in the election this entire time. But it is not anywhere close to the facts of election fraud. Manipulating people's sentiment about the candidates in advance of the election is not election fraud. It might be rigging. It might be interference from media companies. It might be interference from foreign nations. And all of that interference might benefit foreign nations. But that is not out and out election fraud. Election fraud is election fraud, and there's plenty of proof of that. The Hunter Biden laptop thing is an entirely separate issue. And it should be insulting to everyone for Piers Morgan to pretend we're just finding out about all this now. And you'll see plenty more mainstream media figures saying things exactly like that. That is one of those identifying lines where as soon as you hear it, you can know these people are liars. If they're saying that seriously and not sarcastically, they have already incorporated a narrative that they know to be false into what they're saying. That is lying. Now, let's get to the other very controversial leaked audio from this week. This is a phone call between Liz Cheney, Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader in the House, and Steve Scalise. This is Republican leadership as it existed in the aftermath of the very violent insurrection. Liz, you on the phone? Yeah, I'm here. Thanks, Kevin. Um, I guess there's a question. When, when we were talking about the 25th Amendment resolution, um, yeah. and you asked if, if, you know, what happens if it gets there after he's gone, is, is there any chance, are you hearing that he might resign? Is there any reason to think that might happen? I've had a few discussions. My gut tells me no. Um, I'm seriously thinking of having that conversation with him tonight. I haven't talked to him in a couple of days. Um, from what I know of him, I mean, you guys all know him too. Do you think he'd ever back away? But what what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to call him. My this, this is what I think. Um, no one will pass the House. I think there's a chance he'll pass the Senate even when he's gone. Um, and I think there's a lot of different ramifications for that. Now, I haven't had a discussion with the Dems that if he did resign, would it not happen? Now, this is one personal fear I have. Um, I do not want to get into any conversations about 
has parted, I got it, and the only discussion I would have with him is that I think this will pass, and it would be my recommendation you should be done. Um, I mean, that would be my take, but I don't think he would take it, but I don't know. So Liz Cheney is asking about what will happen if the House and then the Senate pass a resolution to invoke the 25th Amendment. Now, the 25th Amendment cannot be invoked by the House and the Senate. That was totally optics. They were busy pretending that Donald Trump called for the very violent insurrection and that Donald Trump was going to take over the military and make all sorts of violent and forceful decisions to keep himself in office based on the big lie. So they wanted to pass a 25th Amendment resolution that would call on Mike Pence and Donald Trump's cabinet to invoke the 25th Amendment and remove Donald Trump from office in the last two weeks of the first term of Donald Trump's presidency. It was 100% optics only for the media. It had no actual authority behind it whatsoever. It was just the House and the Senate declaring their opinion. And so Liz Cheney was asking Kevin McCarthy if he thought Donald Trump might resign if this was passed through the House and Senate. Now, the answer, of course, is no. That would be ridiculous. There is nothing about Donald Trump or the way he has acted as president that would indicate he would ever do something so ridiculous. Again, there would be no constitutional authority behind what the House and Senate did. There's no way that they can force him out of office, which is why they brought back up another fake impeachment. They tried the 25th Amendment first. That failed. Then they wanted to do the fake impeachment so they could make sure that Donald Trump could never run again. Then the Trump story would be over. His supporters would just have to deal with it. And that's it. The communist establishment would happily raise a middle finger to 80 million plus, and now probably more like 120 million plus Trump supporters in this country. They wouldn't care. They would say, hey, go ahead, try a civil war, try an armed insurrection, try it for real. We're more than happy to use the power of the state to inflict violence on our people to hold on to our illegitimate grasp on control. The establishment is more than happy to do that. They have shown us that repeatedly. They're the ones who stole the election in the first place. Of course, they were prepared to take it beyond that. Now, do they want to use the actual military? No, because that looks bad. And hey, they might not have the power to do that, but they're more than happy to hire private militaries and they're more than happy to hire uh, rioters and continue their BLM Antifa domestic terrorism operation for absolutely as long as it takes. They're always more than happy to do that. That George Soros Act Blue Money never runs out. But of course, we're told that we are the ones who want to do all that stuff. We are the ones who want violence in this country, even though all we've done for the last 15 months is try to spread information, make sure that people know the truth of what's actually happening right now in reality and find peaceful community based solutions on how we can take the country back, how we can put the power back in the hands of the people. That's what we've tried to do. That's as nonviolent as it gets. So Liz Cheney thought that passing this resolution through the House and the Senate would somehow make Donald Trump finally resign. He would relinquish his hold on power on his own 
because they didn't want to risk it going another two weeks. What's going to happen on Inauguration Day? We better build up these walls all around the Capitol. So McCarthy says that he's going to talk to Donald Trump and he will suggest that Donald Trump resign if the House and Senate go forward with the 25th Amendment resolution. That's it. There it is. That's the shocking audio. Now, I don't know anyone on our side who is a fan of Kevin McCarthy. Unless Kevin McCarthy is some secret agent who's just playing a role throughout this time, I think everybody in the America First movement understands that Kevin McCarthy is part of the problem, not part of the solution. At best, he's a necessary evil that we will deal with for the time he's in office. He has obviously accumulated enough power to be the leader of the Republican Party in the House as it stands now. But I'm not shocked about Kevin McCarthy saying that it is in line with his position from that period and in line with the position of other corrupt Republican leaders. That's not shocking. And that's not what makes this audio interesting. So Rachel Maddow presented this audio on her show last night. She says she was given the audio by Jonathan Martin and Alexandra Burns of the New York Times, which means they acquired the audio first. Who did they acquire the audio from? So Liz Cheney was on the line, Steve Scalise, Kevin McCarthy, and you would assume that their staffs are on the line as well, perhaps. Someone recorded the call. It likely wasn't Kevin McCarthy. It would be very unusual if Kevin McCarthy recorded this call and then leaked the audio of himself saying these things, knowing that it'll damage the way the Republican base and honestly, at this point, the majority, the almost the entirety of the Republican Party outside of the establishment would view him. So it makes no sense that he'd do it. Now, Steve Scalise, I don't think is making some sort of strange power play. Steve Scalise is one of those guys who's kind of in a gray area. I don't think MAGA or America First are offended by Steve Scalise, but he's also not what people would tend to think of as a strong America first Trump supporting Republican. He's in a bit of a gray area. I don't see him making this sort of power play against Kevin McCarthy. Why would he do that? The establishment would be upset with him. And unless he did it publicly and stated his reasons, he's not going to get any credit from MAGA or America first for doing it. So the only likely option is Liz Cheney and That makes a lot of sense because Liz Cheney is as malicious and corrupt and dishonest as her father is. She only cares about retaining the hold on power because there are too many skeletons in that closet to allow anyone to ever open that door. But that door is being opened despite whatever Liz Cheney can do. So Liz Cheney has had the support of pretty much the entire left for the last 15 months. She's on the January 6th select committee. She's about to lose her primary in Wyoming and just be put out of politics altogether. And it would seem that she has the most to gain here. Whatever her relationship was with Kevin McCarthy in January of 2021, it has probably changed significantly since then as McCarthy and the rest of the Republican caucus removed Liz Cheney from the Republican leadership in the House and replaced her with Elise Stefanik. Now, I don't really know how this would help Liz Cheney. I guess weakening Kevin McCarthy might do something for them. 
forcing Kevin McCarthy to be held accountable for these statements might provide some political advantage or some leverage. But it really doesn't move the needle. None of us want Kevin McCarthy to be the leader. The America First movement has no stake in Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy can be primaried, removed, voted out. No one would care. So you have to wonder what else they're doing. Now, Mitch McConnell has also been making statements uh, that kind of harken back to that post-insurrection period. And it seems like what the media is trying to do and what the Republican establishment is trying to do is remind everyone of where we were right after the very violent insurrection. Trump is the very, very bad orange man. He's going to control the military. He's the one launching the coup. Everyone must be afraid of Trump. Everyone must be afraid of Trump supporters. Don't you know? They're the domestic terrorists. Now, they haven't been responsible for any domestic terrorist incidents, but hey, we're in backwards world now. BLM Antifa are anti-fascist. They are saving the country from racism. In fact, they're solving racism altogether. And it doesn't matter how much they riot, how many stores they loot, how many businesses they burn down, how many people they beat senselessly, how many cops they kill. None of that is domestic terrorism. This is domestic terrorism. Speaking about how the obviously stolen election was obviously stolen, that's terrorism. And everybody must be reminded because Joe Biden is on his way out and Donald Trump on some timeline, which obviously I am not entirely aware of, is on his way back in. So I'm really interested to see what role this leaked audio is going to play. And I'm sure that we will know over the next few days exactly how all of this came to be. But it doesn't seem to be the obvious thing of just simply knocking Kevin McCarthy down a few pegs or making him unpalatable to MAGA. He was already that. And it's also strange that if this was simply a leverage play, Liz Cheney didn't use this leverage back when they were kicking her out of the conference leadership. So now I want to talk about another example of what is going on behind the public statements. What is the subtext of all this? What's happening behind the scenes? This is a bit more complicated of an example. And hey, I'm going to say, go on this little ride with me. You don't have to agree. I know that this is going to be a hard one for some people to swallow, but I want you to check this out because I was having these thoughts last night. I want to share them with you and you can think about what it means. Take it or leave it. Now, this is former acting secretary of defense from the end of Donald Trump's term, Christopher Miller, on stage with Mike Pence, right as that first Trump term was ending. President, I'm going off script again, I know, but uh, I just want to personally thank you. Uh, we've been through some stuff. We've gone through. Uh, some, some of the most complex military operations this country's ever conducted. And your steady hand and your leadership during those was uh, a great source of strength for me. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your character. Thank you for your selfless service. Thank you for commitment. Thank you for being a mentor to me, Mr. Vice President. And with that, the floor is yours, sir. So that's Chris Miller at the end of December 2020, telling Mike Pence, 
that he's thankful for this collaboration they've had in plotting out one of the most complex military operations in history. So what is that complex military operation? That was the mystery. Chris Miller said that standing in front of a Space Force flag, by the way. And here is Donald Trump last night in his speech at the Heritage Foundation discussing Space Force. With Space Force, and it's turned out to be very important. You know, they laughed when they got into office. They wanted to end Space Force, and they were decimated. You remember that? They laughed at it. Oh, Space Force, that's so funny. There was nothing funny to the people that knew. You know that. There was nothing funny at all, and it's uh, very important. And now we're taking the lead again in space. Russia and China were just eating our lunch in space, and now we've taken the lead. So Donald Trump was responsible for starting Space Force, and now he is quite clearly speaking to the importance of Space Force in what is going on in the world right now. No one's laughing now. So Chris Miller was on the Just the News show on Real America's Voice the other night. That's the show with John Solomon and my friend Amanda Head. They have great guests and do great interviews every night. So just a little hat tip to them. But Amanda interviewed Chris Miller the other night. Chris Miller just got back from visiting Ukraine. He said specifically in that meeting that he was in Ukraine meeting with extremely high level military officials. And you might say, yeah, whatever. Okay. So the former acting secretary of defense went over to Ukraine because he wanted to find out what was going on there. And Chris Miller said, I've seen all these television generals talking about Russia and Ukraine. I don't believe any of it. So I wanted to go over and see with my own eyes. And so he met with Ukrainian military officials. He said that their primary interest, what they wanted to convince him of while he was there meeting with them was that they don't need people. They are happy to do the fighting on their own, but they do need uh, equipment. They need support and they need the U.S. not to forget about them. And he mentioned that though the Russian military was overhyped initially, they are still in a strong position. They have their supply line set. They have plenty of soldiers and they have plenty of equipment. But the question remains, what was the former acting secretary of defense doing in Ukraine, meeting with high level Ukrainian military officials? Why isn't Lloyd Austin over there doing that? Why isn't Joe Biden over there doing that? Well, it's possible that Joe Biden's not allowed to go into Ukraine because he's committed just massive crimes there and is tied into all of the Ukrainian corruption. So all of that is strange. But why isn't the media freaking out about this? Why aren't they using Chris Miller's trip to Ukraine to perpetuate the narrative that Donald Trump is actually trying to seize control of the government, that Donald Trump is actually the one staging the coup? Wouldn't his former acting secretary of defense going and meeting with extremely high level Ukrainian military officials lend to that narrative, 
So why aren't they using it? Why aren't they talking about it? Why isn't Rachel Maddow telling all of the child brains in her audience that Donald Trump is trying to undermine the fake administration by sending his acting secretary of defense over to Ukraine to interfere? And then there's this little nugget from Miller right here. Um, You have extensive military uh, experience serving in the army. How does this conflict in Ukraine, what you saw with your eyes and heard with your ears, how does this differ from what you saw in in the Middle East in your time in the army and other war zones? This really is the first war of the 21st century where we have high-tech weapon systems being used, drones, unmanned aerial vehicles, and then we have this huge conventional forces as well. I I said when I was talking to the Ukrainian leadership, I I had to remind them that they've executed the most successful military campaign in modern military history, if not forever uh, in military history. But to see them use what they have and uh, to use their approach with guerrilla warfare and, you know, death, death by a thousand cuts and to use the equipment and the people they have so effectively, I think is a, is really going to be an example for how things go forward in the future. It's just not all about these mega expensive weapon systems. It really comes down to these uh, unmanned aerial vehicles and, and these rocket systems, these man portable rocket systems. It's really a bellwether about the future in my, in my humble opinion. So I wanted to play that because the way he described that this extremely successful military campaign, the most successful in modern history, that kind of harkens back to what he was saying at the end of December in that speech with Mike Pence, because what else could he be describing? He has already said that Russia is well positioned and he did talk just to be perfectly clear. He did talk about needing to defeat Putin. But there was no other indication in that interview that he thought Ukraine could actually defeat Putin. And so what does he mean about this ultra successful military campaign? Well, that's a tough question to answer. And so I want to share with you the perspective of Colonel Douglas McGregor. He's been on with Tucker Carlson a lot. I shared a long interview with Douglas McGregor on the Telegram info stream the other night. If you want to see that, just go to t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can find it there. Use the search feature. But McGregor's got probably the most unconventional assessment of what's happening in Ukraine right now in the entire central narrative, in the entire mainstream landscape. And by the way, I'm not saying that McGregor is part of the central narrative, but he is allowed on some level to participate. Now, the thing about McGregor is that he was nominated to be the ambassador to Germany near the end of Trump's term, and he was not confirmed into that position. They tried to keep him out. The establishment did. The Senate refused to confirm him. They can confirm Katanji Brown Jackson twice in the span of a year, but they won't confirm Douglas McGregor to the position of ambassador to Germany at the end of Trump's term. So instead, Douglas McGregor became a senior advisor for Chris Miller at the end of Trump's term. You would expect that their lines of communication are still open. 
And you would expect that their assessments of what's happening in the Russia-Ukraine situation would align at least on multiple points, if not completely. So let's hear what McGregor says about Russia and Ukraine. This is from last night on Tucker Carlson. Well, I think there is some concern, but not enough to uh, stop the hemorrhage of uh, material and money into Ukraine. We've had terrible problems in the past with accounting for where weapons and ammunition go. We saw that in Southeast Asia. We've seen it in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I think we can say with some certainty that many of these weapons will end up in the hands of people we'd rather never see them in. But that aside, if you listen to what President Biden said today, he's conveying the impression that any of this will change the outcome. It will not. What's happening right now in the Donbass is the final annihilation of what remains of Ukraine's best forces down in the southeastern corner of the country. Uh, they, they can't change that. Remember, the distance from Poland to the battlefront is roughly the same as the distance between St. Louis and New York City. They don't have the infrastructure to train people. They don't have the infrastructure to sustain the equipment. And then they've got to move it. I'm afraid the only thing we're doing is escalating tensions with Russia and turning Western Ukraine into a large target set for Russian missiles, rockets, and uh, airstrikes. I, 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 this is also sad for so many people, mostly the Ukrainian civilians caught in the middle of it. Are we making life better for them? It seems like we're fighting to the last Ukrainian, to me. Well, we are. And, and the thing is, I, I really think the president and his supported, uh, supporting advisors believe that somehow or another they're going to arrive at a negotiating table in the future where they will be able to dictate terms to Moscow. And that's not going to happen. And if there is no negotiated settlement, then Western Ukraine just becomes a firing range. Anytime they see any evidence for significant military uh, equipment show up, they'll destroy it from a distance because the Russians have never been interested in crossing the Dnieper River. They were always interested in destroying the Ukrainian forces. That job's about through. Uh, so I think the, the sad truth of the matter is that this is a proxy war in which we're sending large numbers of Ukrainians to die without any real hope that will attain anything of importance to them. So Colonel McGregor is pretty clear that there is absolutely no path to victory for Ukraine against Russia. Russia is decimating Ukraine. The last of Ukraine's forces are being destroyed. Their equipment is being destroyed. Their ability to bring equipment to the front lines is being destroyed. He's noting that Russia has the capacity and the will to destroy any sort of weaponry that gets transported into Ukraine. There is no fighting force left there, essentially. There are Ukrainian Nazis, their little battalions, torturing civilians, holding up in elementary schools and hospitals. There is ample video proof of that from the Ukrainian side. And yet our media, the television generals, continue to tell the American public the exactly wrong thing, just as they did with Afghanistan and just as they do for everything else. That is the deep state military industrial complex trying to fool the American public into continuing to give them unfettered access to weapons and money. So the question becomes, could Colonel Douglas McGregor and former acting secretary of defense, Chris Miller, be this far apart on their assessment of what's happening into Ukraine? 
My suggestion is no. There is no way that Chris Miller in any sense thinks that somehow the Ukrainian military, whatever that is, is going to defeat Russia's military and push Russia back. Russia is in exactly the position they wanted to be in and that they expected to be in because they knew what they were doing the entire time. Now, our media keeps telling us that Russia is failing. Russia has failed to overtake Kiev. They failed to do this. They failed to do that. That's what they've been telling us the entire time. But all of that is premised on their false impression that they gave to us intentionally about what Russia's goals are. Russia's goals, as stated, are being accomplished in every imaginable way. McGregor just said the fake administration thinks there's going to be some point at which they can approach a negotiating table with leverage and get out of this situation what they want. That's not going to happen. Putin's not going to give them anything more than he was already going to give them, which is nothing. The situation didn't have its inception on February 24th when the special military operation finally began. They've been negotiating about this stuff for a very long time. Those negotiations failed. Putin did what he felt he had to do. Now, whether or not he was right or wrong is a question for history. We don't know the answer to that yet. But we do know that the media has been lying consistently about what's happening there. So how can extremely high level Ukrainian military officials believe that all they need is continued equipment? They'll keep fighting. This is the most successful modern military campaign you could possibly imagine. In a situation where the Ukrainian military is being completely decimated and wiped out by Putin's forces. Now, either Chris Miller and Douglas McGregor have totally conflicting impressions of what's happening over there. And one of them is right and one of them is wrong. And they're not communicating. They are not aligned in their positions at all. Or it's possible that what Chris Miller is talking about is a different element of what's happening in Ukraine. Now, can you imagine that high level, extremely high level military officials on the side of the comedic actor are meeting with Donald Trump's former acting secretary of defense and divulging their needs and the details of their military operation? That seems extraordinarily unlikely unless Chris Miller is somehow part of the deep state and the military industrial complex and the global communist order. That seems just impossible, honestly, because Cash Patel himself was Chris Miller's chief of staff at the end of Trump's term. So Chris Miller, Cash Patel, and Douglas McGregor are all working together at the end of Trump's term during the time in which Chris Miller said that they had been directing the most complex military operation in history. And now they have opposing views on what's happening in Russia, Ukraine. Well, I highly doubt it. And interestingly, Donald Trump discussed Ukraine at his speech before the Heritage Foundation last night. Let's see what he said. But I put more sanctions on Russia than anyone else. I gave 
Ukraine javelins while Obama gave them blankets. You remember the statement? Oh, he's terrible. He's giving javelins and the other one's giving blankets. Well, it turned out I was right when I gave the javelins. I was the one that gave them the weaponry to do that very big and important first part of the war and show something very special. They said I was very nice to Putin. The only person who didn't think that was true is Putin. So Barack Obama did not arm the Ukrainians. Donald Trump sent javelins. It was what enabled them to do well in the very important first part of this war. And there was some controversy about Donald Trump sending these javelins to Ukraine during his term. There was a stipulation in that arms deal that the Ukrainians could not use the anti-tank missiles in the conflict against pro-Russian separatists based on the terms of the sale. So Donald Trump was well aware of the what is essentially a civil war that was happening in the Donbass region. The corrupt Ukrainian regime with the Azov Battalion and Svoboda and all their little neo-Nazis over there were attacking pro-Russian, ethnic Russian Ukrainians in the eastern part of Ukraine, the exact regions that Vladimir Putin is protecting the independence of right now and helping to secure the independence of right now. So it seems Trump's motivation was to move this equipment into Ukraine and make sure that those pro-Russian separatists in the Donbass would not be hurt by any of these weapons. It seems like that was what Trump was looking out for. So Obama fails to arm Ukraine. Trump arms Ukraine with the reality of the situation in mind. Biden keeps sending money and weapons and no one knows where any of it goes. That's widely reported now. I talked about it on the podcast the other day. You just heard Colonel McGregor mention it to Tucker Carlson. Now, we know there was some extremely complex military operation going on somewhere. We know that Chris Miller just met with extremely high level Ukrainian military officials and that he is trying to support them in some way. We know that McGregor believes the war for Ukraine is completely lost with no hope of any victory as described by the fake administration or the fake administration in Ukraine led by the comedic actor or the global communists and their interests in Ukraine. So how does this all make sense together? How can it make sense together? Right? Maybe they just all have different opinions. That is entirely possible, which is why I'm saying, hey, maybe I go through this and you don't accept it. You're like, no, that's a bridge I can't cross. You're going a little too far for me here. But let me present this as an option to you. There is a view of things under which this could all make sense. And if we are assuming the good twin, evil twin dichotomy exists in Ukraine and it definitely does, it exists everywhere, then when different parties are discussing Ukraine, they may well be referring to two entirely separate entities. Chris Miller could be talking about the good twin in Ukraine. And it would, of course, make sense that those would be the people he's meeting with. The good twin, again, represents 
sovereignty, nationalism, populism. The forces in every country that are looking out for that country's best interests. The evil twin, of course, is the global communist order and the infliction of that order upon the people. All of the corruption that goes on in concert around the world is directed by the same people for the benefit of the same people. So when Joe Biden talks about the brave Ukrainians, he's clearly talking about the people who support his own corruption and the corruption of the deep state and the global communist order in Ukraine. Donald Trump, Christopher Miller and Colonel Douglas McGregor might be talking about entirely different groups of Ukrainians. They might be discussing supporting the good twin in Ukraine. And that good twin in Ukraine would be described to us by our media as basically Russians, these pro-Russian separatists. They will eventually reach the point of calling them terrorists. But we have seen massive Russophobia from our media, an intentional hate movement grown against Russians in Ukraine. We've seen the results of that hate movement, and we continue to see our media support actual Ukrainian Nazis, the funding of them, the arming of them. So I would suggest to you that it is important to at least think about all of this from that other perspective. There will always be the paradigm presented by the media, and then there is the good twin, evil twin dichotomy that is just a lens through which we can see and analyze these situations. And it brings us sometimes to different conclusions. If those conclusions map onto reality better than the conclusions of the media, that means they're probably deserving of being given weight as extraordinary as they may seem. If Donald Trump was arming the corrupt regime under the comedic actor, why would the global communists have ever gotten upset about it? That doesn't make sense. It also doesn't make sense for Chris Miller to say that this is an extraordinarily successful military campaign by the Ukrainians while the Ukrainians, quote unquote, are being completely wiped out. According to Douglas McGregor and according to all of the independent journalism that we see out of that region. So, like I said, take it or leave it. Now, I want to end with just one lovely, inspiring clip from Donald Trump's speech yesterday. If we do our jobs, their sinister and corrupt left-wing system will be discredited, defeated, and discarded forever. Socialism, wokeism, and left-wing fascism and communism will be tossed into the ash heap of history beside every other twisted ideology that has tried and failed to destroy the United States of America. If we do our jobs, the socialism, the wokeism, the fascism, the communism will be thrown on the ash heap of history. So we will do our jobs. And that's exactly where all of this awful dystopian bullshit is headed. I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? 
Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!